Here at Tech Stalks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're stoked to have Tech Stalks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. Ray-Ban is your reflection in the mirror of your truest self. It's the shade on a hot summer's day. It's your own focus regardless of any spotlight that may be on you. Together, Tech Stalks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you're on. You can't predict the light, but with Tech Stalks and Ray-Ban, you're always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. Follow the light at www.rayband.com. Hello and welcome to Text Talks. I am Tex. And today I am talking to a Zimbabwean-born artist and writer who, apart from lending her voice to some of the most scintillating house tracks I've ever heard, aims to challenge the status quo of the music industry's perspective on the role that women play in its success. With projects like Girls and Hashtag Woman of House, she provides a platform to artists that are often unseen, and in doing so, she fulfills a crucial role in the education of our music scene at large. And for that, I am a proper fangirl. I am, of course, talking about Jackie Queens. Jackie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to chat to you. Oh, it's only a pleasure. I mean, I want to. I want to take today as as an opportunity to learn everything about you because I've been following you on social for a while, and you're very knowledgeable and engaging. And I'm, I'm, I'm also keen to pick your brain a little bit. But sure. <laughs> I think. I think let's start with your heritage, because I know that you are Zimbabwean born and that you spent some time in the UK before returning to South Africa. So is it safe for me to assume that you spent your schooling years in Zimbabwe? And if so, tell me about growing up in Zim. Yes, I grew up in Zim and left when I had finished my my A-levels, actually, um, so school was, it was great. I feel like I don't really remember much about that time except for being someone who kind of did everything. Like I just, I used to dance at school. I used to sing in the choir. Um, I used to play basketball when I was in high school. And Jordan puts up a jumper and hits with six seconds to go. And then... Then there was a time when I didn't actually play any sports. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then I was like a, a school a class. What do you call them? You know, when you have those house, like a deputy house person. I used to do debate. Like I just, I was just one of those people who just used to do a lot. So you're basically <laughs> like a <laughs> total all-rounder. Um, yeah, I could. you could say that, like in the sense that I, I had many interests, um, not to the extent that I was like someone with like a ton of badges. I was also very naughty. So I, I mean, can imagine you being naughty yeah, <laughs> in the yeah, best possible well, <laughs> way. <though. laughs> I was, no, I was naughty. I was naughty at school. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, I've always been someone who, who loves learning I think that like besides like all the sort of like typical teenage drama I've always always been someone who enjoys learning new things and and reading I used to read a lot um yeah so it was 
it was it was nice. I would say I, I really enjoyed my childhood. Yeah. So you were basically a sponge. And I feel like, you know what, when you're a kid, that's the time where, you know, you should be trying out 101 different things to to get to form your personality, but also figure out what it is that you like. That's true. I mean, I I feel like I just I was just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. I don't ever remember doing anything for like explicitly an end goal except for when I did athletics like this one time I did athletics and I did javelin and I wanted to get into like the the provincial team or whatever but I think for the most part I just yeah and and even to a certain extent now I pretty much just do stuff for the sake of of doing it for trying it if I feel like I need to do it I'll just do it and who knows what happens after that that's awesome. But um, at what point do you then leave for the UK? Like, how old were you? What was the plan? And how, how long were you there for? I left just after my A-level. So I think it was this, this the first year after my A-level. So I think I was like 19. And the plan was I was, was going to go like and study and do something with my life. I just never did that. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I think I was like happy to be away from home and like in another country. Like it just never happened. I just went there and I just had like the best time of my life. I was partying. I was, yeah, I was, I was faffing about. When the UK um, were you? Uh, I ended up in Grays, which is like East. Um, it's outside of London. It's like 45 southeast or something i can't even remember it's such a long time ago now um yeah and i lived in london for a bit so um i really enjoyed that that was like pretty much where i i I started uh developing a love for like british music i mean i always listened to british music like growing up at home in zim because so many family members and like friends of uh, friends of family were going to the UK. I mean, at the time, people used to go to the the UK and you'd either stay there, like go as an, and 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 do nursing or some other, you know, studying or something like that, or or they would go for like months at a time. Like they'd go six months, they'd work and then they'd come back. So you'd find that you either knew somebody or you know someone in the family had gone off to the UK and was now either living there or sort of traveling between then every time the music would sort of come back in some way. So I I really um, spent a lot of time enjoying sort of the creative side of, of the UK. Um, music especially, I used to love going out to shows. That was pretty much all I used to do. I used to go out to shows. I used to go clubbing a lot. And yeah, it was it was a crazy time. But <laughs> I look back on that period in my life and I think, you know, there's sometimes when I feel like, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. But like now I look back and then I'm like, nah, like, you know, um, I appreciate that I had that time. Everything happened when it should have happened. Yeah, like I, I appreciate that I had that time because then I, I lived there for six years and then my mom was like, no, you need to come home. <laughs> you're messing around <laughs> like come and do something with yourself so I was like oh, okay whatever 
And then, um, yeah, I, I came home uh, to study, basically. So my family had moved from Zim to Cape Town at that point. And they'd been in Cape Town for quite a few years. And so oh, okay. I moved there to study. And then once I started studying, I just couldn't stop. Like, I studied for like five, six years. <laughs> so tell me, what did you study? I studied um, media. So for my for my undergrad, I did media and, and radio production. And then for honors, I did political communication, which is still under the media umbrella. So like, You're on. you know, stuff like rhetoric and media research and anything that has to do with how um, political, social... It's elegant, square-shaped, crafted from acetate, and available in a selection of colors. Yeah. That's what I did. What I did. That's how I did it. When I was studying in Cape Town. And then talk to me about working at a theatrical dining restaurant. We constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trails. How did that Which is why I was stoked to have TikTok styled by Ray Ban. Yeah, that was in Cape Town. Helping us now pursue the featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. As we head into the middle of December um, you know, and the days get longer and the nights shorter, can you feel that full-on you know, summer loving? Are you seeing the opportunities like, that are right before you, the chance to put away so, the year that was um, and forget about like, this whatever and whoever has been holding the you back? And so let's talk about the Wayfarer. Perfect. Born in the 50s, um, it has been loved by dreamers, came, adventurers, and pop culture legends ever since. Like the, the Wayfarer family... So okay, I'm just doing that paragraph again. Like a couple of jobs, which, I, which didn't last <clears> very long, because I think I... I kind of feel like I was holding out. So let's talk about the Wayfarer. <laughs> to work Born in the 50s, place, it has been loved by dreamers, opened, adventurers, um, and pop culture I legends ever since. Yeah, that's The Wayfarer family continues with the State Street. It's elegant, square-shaped, crafted from acetate, and available in a selection of colors. Creating a contemporary it was style. You can't predict the light, <laughs> oh, but with text talks and Ray Ban, you're always ready to uh, capture research it. Research assistant for this podcast, Al Clapper, is going to be follow the so, light at www.raybanstardust so because that is where he works, uh, still works, but obviously now it's closed uh-huh. because of the pandemic. Yeah. And he is also an incredible performer. Oh um, wow, and that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's he's gonna he's gonna be like yes this is the moment during the podcast where he's air punching yes stardust <laughs> <laughs> yeah I worked there for three years and then and then left um, yeah it wasn't but a that great doesn't but, ending but but that doesn't yeah that doesn't but was this sort of a newfound love for you like being on stage almost every night and entertaining people and then also getting paid for it I'm sorry that it didn't end very well that's not nice but I'm sure that there were some great moments while you okay. were there. Yeah, I mean, cool. there were lots right. of great moments. I think it was it was a good uh, sort of training ground for me because, you know, even though we were singing um, cover songs, right? I suppose um, not even to say. So let's talk about we the Wayfarer. We were singing born cover in the fifties. It has been and, loved and by dreamers, adventurers, and pop culture legends to, ever to since. How to sing the Wayfarer family styles, continues with the State you know, Street. Um, it's elegant, squared shape, crafted every, from every acetate and available in a selection a of colors, um, creates know, a contemporary style. Was, was was great in terms of like training your voice and learning how to work a crowd. Um, you know, like learning how to deliver your songs, you know, learning things like dynamics um, in a song. Because sometimes you can get a song and, oh, and it sounds great. 
you know, recorded and on radio, but it's quite a different thing to translate it live. Um, you know, once you have people in the room and and sort of faces to look at and, and energy to gauge. So it was very interesting. It was a very interesting um, learning curve for me. And obviously I met, you know, different people who who were musicians or training to be musicians. And it was a, a wonderful space in which I could meet different people and, and get into different types of, of, of musical um, communities, you know. So like one of my friends used to be in a rock band. So we used to go and, and watch her rock shows. And then um, a friend of mine, Jamie, was in a swing band. And he was like, oh, we're looking for someone to sing the vocals. And then I ended up singing in that swing band, you know. Um, it was an AP swing band. Um, and I ended up singing in that. And then, you know, so there was just like different ways in which music sort of entered the conversation through the different people who who were working there. And that was, it was a beautiful thing. Like, I, I, I feel like if I hadn't done those three years, it would have been very difficult to sort of transition into being a live vocalist in the way that I am am now but maybe not difficult but I think I wouldn't have found it as as sort of normal you know because like now singing mm. on stage for me is normal singing for an hour <laughs> you know is normal like I it's it's just stuff that I can do anything else that goes on top of that is stuff that I now have to sort of learn but just the sort of very foundational stuff was normalized for me in those three years and I'm hugely grateful for that okay so you're working at Stardust and you're performing regularly and your mom gets the idea to put you onto this ad on Gumtree for a producer looking for a vocalist <laughs> tell me about meeting and working with your first ever producer Dias Jones and your experience of making music with him because like you met him on Gumtree like wasn't that a bit dodgy <laughs> Well, it wasn't my mom. I put myself on there. And you put, okay, okay. Well, actually, Take no, I lied. That's not how it happened. How it happened was I was looking on Gumtree because I, I actually don't even know how people, how, how we used that because that was before SoundCloud, right? Like before, not before SoundCloud, but before I started using SoundCloud because later. SoundCloud sort of came later for me after that in terms of how I would find people. But in terms of like local, local, you know, producers, um, that was like sort of my starting point. Like I didn't, I didn't know. I think this was like the, maybe the second year or so that I had been in, in, in Cape Town and I didn't know anybody at the time. So I, I went on Gumtree and I saw this advert and Dice had put up this advert and I sent him a message and I was like, yeah, I'm keen, you know, to do some stuff. And he sent me some stuff. And then it actually turned out that he lived not so far from where I was in Kenilworth. Um, and uh, at the time, we we used to go and record at um, Amin's studio. Mm-hmm. Which is like at the back of his parents' house in Weinberg. That was like where I recorded my first three tracks, actually. Um, and that was like, yeah. So from there, it just sort of went um, 
all over, I guess, because he 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 made the first few tracks that I recorded, the first few house music tracks that I recorded, and um, because he speaks Portuguese. Mm-hmm. He uh, put me in touch with uh, producers from Angola, um, who I then started to work with, uh, Satellite, who's now in um, Portugal, um, and also Rosario, who's in Portugal as well. And that was like, that was amazing because I like, for me, I was like, this is great. I get to do this like house music that the Angolans make is very like, it's it's based off Kuduro, which is so amazing because you've got like the drums in there, but there's just something so unique about it that I really enjoyed working with them. Um, and then sort of from there, that's when it started to to grow because then Dice sent my vocals to Inunapa, who I've now you know worked with mm-hmm. quite a few times. Um, but at the time, I didn't know that he had sent my vocals to Inu to do this remix, right? So Inu does this remix of the first track that I recorded. And then like two years later, three years later, I get home from like New Year's Eve outing and like people like sending me messages and they're like, uh, Black Coffee's playing your song on SABC or something. Ah. I didn't even know. <laughs> And they were like, oh, he's playing a song. And then, yeah, that's 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 how I actually found out about that song. I didn't even know that the song existed at the time. Um, because Inu had just put it up on SoundCloud. And then I don't know how Black Coffee managed to get it. And he started playing it. And it was just in, in the world. And I didn't even know that it existed. Um yeah, and Dice and I are still like friends to this day. You know, he doesn't produce music anymore, but um, he's someone who I hold very dear. Like, he's that one person I can chat to about everything, like all my music stuff, life stuff. Um, and he's he's a great source of like knowledge and and inspiration. You know, he taught me a lot about um, like releasing my own music as well, because um, uh, quite. A, uh, quite a few years ago, he started DJs for Africa, which was sort of uh, a, a portal that he he wanted to grow in in terms of putting all this African music together and 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 releasing it and publishing it and stuff like that. So for me, it was a great way to sort of start with someone who wasn't really concerned about being in the mainstream i think we we came together because we knew we wanted to to make music and we just wanted to to do as much as we could without any you know sort of goal to become mainstream or to make lots of money or you know it was just that like how do we connect with people and that was the other thing like he really taught me how to to work what they, what do they call it laterally you know like network laterally he always used to say to me even now he always tells me he's like just go for the people who are close to you the people who are within your reach like it's great to want to have you know those sort of um big dreams of oh I want to work with so and so I want to work with so and so but he really taught me to like get in touch with the people who are on the same level as me and are making really amazing stuff and then growing with those people, you know, building a community with those people and, and, and building, um, yeah, building, building a musical 
journey with them as opposed to, you know, just kind of working with some people. And then when you finally break, just like peace out, bye, but like actually growing together with people. And um, I'm really grateful to him for teaching me that because that's a huge part of how I work now. That's such a great piece of advice. Like who would have known that you would get a lifelong homie from a Gumtree ad? Like (laughs) (laughs) so, so crazy, so random. But do you think it's fair to say that round about that time, the time where you were, you know, you met Dice and you were recording your first few, few singles. Do you think that that was the time that you fell in love with house music or have you always had an appreciation for it? I've always had an appreciation for house music from when I was in Zim, you know, like um, I grew up listening to a lot of like obviously the 90s house music. Um, And then when South Africa, you know, sort of opened up in a way, uh, we used to get a lot of like um, B.O.P.'s music and like Boom Shaka. And when I say opened up, I mean like Channel O, you know, like when you could Mm -hmm. watch... Um, cable like on DSTV and we'd watch the videos and you know so from there it just really like the seed was planted and I I fell in love with house music um, in ways that I actually don't even know or recognize the depth of like like a couple of months ago or actually more than a couple of months ago i was doing this live stream and i posted a clip of this live stream on on my instagram and and someone it was actually lene denise who commented she's a dj and um scholar and she was like i can hear crystal waters in in those riffs because i was doing like some ad libs and like it's moments like that where I actually like it really hits me how embedded um you know that time or the music of that time is within me even if I haven't listened to it in like a long time like I can't even tell you when was the last time I listened to a Crystal Waters song Mm -hmm. you know like but it's just entrenched in you yeah but it's it's there it's so I think it it just sort of, yeah, it, it, it grew from that. And then when I was in the UK, I used to listen to a lot of funky house, uh, UK funky house. And I fell in love with. Yeah, because um, the UK has its own banging house scene. Yeah, they have this amazing UK funky house, which I absolutely love. And I I I, I just totally latched onto that and then of course you know sort of like soulful house and then when I came here I then discovered that there was just like this massive variance of house music like you know because when you're outside of South Africa I don't think you you understand exactly unless you've engaged with the scene as much as as as, as some people do but until I moved to South Africa, I just didn't know how much house music there was um, being made here and the different subgenres, the different styles, um, you know. So I think moving to South Africa just helped me appreciate house music even more. 
Do you reckon you're the type of person who'll go to a party because like a specific DJ is playing or do you reckon you could just go to any party where like good house music is being played and like get lost in it and dance to it all night? I'll go to any party. Okay. I really go to any party. The only time I'll go to see a specific DJ is if I haven't seen that DJ before and there's absolutely no chance that I'll get to see them again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's some mm. people who I'll be like, ah, man, I really need to hear this person play. But for the most part, and I mean, that for me is what I pre- appreciate about house music is that, you know, DJs can play anything. People don't have to know the names of the songs. They don't even have to know the songs. They don't even have to know how to sing the songs. It's just, it's a vibe. So so for me, yeah, definitely, I'd go to any any party. You know, I've read about certain DJs in the house community who play, quote unquote, unshazamables. And I think <laughs> like the name, the name sort of gives it away, but I don't want to be presumptuous. So, so please, if you would be so kind as to break down the anatomy of an unshazamable. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, 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 it's in the, it's in the name, right? It's basically, you lift up your phone when you hear like a banging song playing. <laughs> try to shazam it and then shazam tells you they can't find that song so and is the and is the dj there behind the decks like smiling to himself like (laughs) (laughs) i mean it depends it depends because i feel like people in the house music community at least really um you know things like exclusives are a big deal for djs because you know djs in a way are like the influencers in house music, you know, they're the tastemakers, they're the ones who break the tracks. And so typically having an unshazamable song, you know, means that at least for a while, you know, like before the song becomes like a common uh, uh, a song or is, is released or, or whatever, you're that one person who has that song and then people will kind of associate you with um, a sort of breaking new music or talent even, you know, like depending on, on, on your visibility within the, within the scene, you know, some DJs are very well known for, for, for being the ones to introduce new talent to audiences um, in remarkable ways. So, I mean, yeah, so the Unshazamables are very, they're very precious. And also I think it just comes from that sort of tradition of DJ culture of being the educator, you know, you want to be that person Who's like, yeah, I'm the one that put you on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm the one that put you on to this and like, you know, and, 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 and there's a, a, an identity thing to it as well. It's like, because not all the DJs will have all the exclusives, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're like, people will have certain kinds of exclusives or like certain subgenres of, of exclusives um, and be known you know, sort of for that. Or if you're a producer, it's a great way to break music that's that's that that you're working on and is and is and is going to come out, um, you know, in the future. And you're kind of getting to to test that music. And the producers who do that now, you know, um, they just make stuff and 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 also even just to make their sets fun. You know, like now Inu has apparently another remix of the, of of the conqueror track that 
he he did a few years ago and he only plays it for his for his sets you know it's not a song that we think of releasing he doesn't even want to give it mm-hmm. to me to play actually i like he said yes <laughs> but i'm still waiting for it i'm just like where is the track but i understand you know because like people want to be able to differentiate and separate themselves from from everybody because you know there's a lot of djs out there well you know i mean talking about differentiating yourself i mean one of the things that i find astounding about you is that you've never actually sat down with a pen and a paper to write lyrics to a song, um, which I find phenomenal. So, so talk to me about your writing process because some of your lyrics at times can deal with pretty heavy, heavy subject matter and tackle some like real topics. So talk to me about your process when you're in studio or when, you know, you're, you're conceptualizing a song in your head, I'm assuming. Yeah. So it's, it's really weird because I feel like, sometimes I feel like if I did write my song I would have like a method to it like there's like there's this writing course by Pat Benatar I think that's his name Pat Patterson why am I saying Pat Benatar Pat Patterson because you're making me think of UCT Pat Patterson (laughs) who is a he's a a songwriting like lecturer or lecturer at um Berkeley right and Coursera is I don't know if that's how you pronounce it has this amazing course by him on songwriting which I've taken like several times um just to sort of like refresh and I've read some of the books and he has like quite a methodical way of doing it like you know you write it down you get some you get some uh words and then you look for rhymes and then you do that kind of stuff so like I've always felt like maybe like my writing would be a lot easier if I if I did something like that, like sat down and was a bit more methodical with my writing. But I've just never been able to 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 take to that. There's a couple of things that I do that I learned in that in that course. But apart from that, it's just I don't know. I think the reason why I, I do it that way is because I don't have. Um, I prefer to um, to go with the feeling, really. That's mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. much how I do it. So even when I'm writing, I'm moving around. Uh, these days, not so much. But when I was um, in Cape Town, even when I moved to Joburg, I used to walk a lot. So whether even in Joburg, to, yeah, walking to work or oh, brave. <laughs> yeah, brave. like. I'd catch the taxi. I just catch two taxis to go to work. So I would like in between I was walking at least 20, 30 minutes. Um, so I would put music on that I'm working on and I would walk and write or whatever. So it, there's always some movement involved. Now that I'm not doing a lot of that, um, I try to, to, to keep to, to write while I'm standing or, or moving around um, it just helps, I guess, in, in that way because I feel like I love dancing. That's the other things. Like, I love to dance. So whenever I'm writing house music especially, like, it has to make sense. Like, it has to make sense what I'm, what's in my head, what's coming out of my mouth, and how my body moves as a result. All so if it's not making you move, then you're like, nope, out the window. <laughs> well, not that. Like, it depends. It's, it's really about how the movement happens. It doesn't have to be anything serious, but in a way it needs to, the body needs to respond in a way that makes sense. That's flowing. So 
An organization that you are a part of and that I'm also a part of is She Said So, which for people listening who don't know what it is, it's a global community of women and and, uh, minorities in the music industry who work with and empower each other through our connections and our knowledge. And last year, you were included in She Said So's alternative power 100 music list. Now, this list was born as a response to Billboard's Power 100 list, um, with the aim of of the list being to challenge conventional music industry standards. And over the past couple of years, this list has evolved to become basically like a celebration for traditionally underrepresented communities. And when I saw your name on it, I was like, it's about time. But what did it feel to be included in a list like that because there were some heavy hitters on that list last year um i was actually shocked because i didn't like yeah i i, I was just like i uh, i didn't know what to say you know um because every time you know when you when you're doing what you're doing when you're doing the work you don't really know how far it's gonna go or who's going to be watching or mm. you know who's, who's going to appreciate the work that you do um you know or that i do as an artist or in any other capacity so for me it was just like it was very um yeah i couldn't believe it i was just like what like <laughs> you know <laughs> i was like what, what am i doing here um but yeah i mean i've had to i've had to learn how to to take uh compliments i'm very bad at it but i'm i'm learning um you must be you must be dying with this podcast because that's all i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like, yeah i'm very i'm very bad i'm very bad at taking compliments but yeah i'm i'm learning how to do it and um yeah i i i really struggle with um with being in the moment and and appreciating something for what it is for like giving something time basically so i'm like one of those people who's like oh yay that's really amazing and then i go what's next you know um like i move on to the next thing or you know i always feel like there's something else to do um but yeah that's pretty much how that's that's how i felt like i looked at that and i was like oh wow that's that's super cool that's really amazing and then yeah how how do i keep doing what i'm doing which i know is not good but yeah are you the kind of person who just like (laughs) works 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 and never really takes uh a moment to reflect on like all the amazing things that you're doing. And the reason that I asked this question is that I kind of, you know, I identify with that a lot. I feel like, you know, you know, you know, sometimes you just put your head down and you just work and then things happen around you, like really cool things happen around you. And you're like, ah, like you just said, what's the next thing? And I feel like it's really important to take that time out, even if it's just like five minutes to go, yay. And like high five yourself and then move on. Uh yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm always <laughs> like that's 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 like the other day. I wrote an article. I it took me so long to get to this point where I, I I was happy with the story and um you know like the day it came out, I was so excited. And then like the second day 
when I saw more and more people were sharing it, I was just like, wow, you know, this is really amazing. And yeah, like after that, I was like, okay, what's, what's the next thing? Cause I'm just one of those people who I'm constantly chasing something, you know, uh, like I, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Ooh, I want to do this. And then I, I, I decide I'm going to do it. And depending on how long it takes or how frustrating it is, I eventually do it or I do it immediately depending on what it is. And then I just move on to the next thing. Like, I just feel like there's no time to, yeah, to, to, um, to, to sit around and be like, yeah, I did this thing. And it's like, I even I haven't even posted about that article yet. I was thinking I need to do it today. Cause I'm just like onto something else now, which I'm not saying is good, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I do. It's not a great thing to do. And I really understand what you're saying about like taking time out and, you know, so like this year I'm, I'm really trying to do that like a lot more, although sometimes I don't do it as well as I should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot the, of, a lot the, of the time. The, the article that you uh, mentioned now that you're talking about, is that the one that you wrote for Groove called The Untold Story of Women in Afro House? Yeah. That's uh, the one. Okay. Well, that article, let me just give you props right now, is phenomenal. Um, it, it's so insightful. And the way that you highlight the story of the three women who are very crucial to the genre. I mean, would you mind like giving me a brief background and profile into each of these women because I just love their stories and I really think that our audience would appreciate them too. Uh, yeah, sure. So this article came came about, it's, it's something I've been wanting to do for many years. So um, a few years ago, I started this project called Women of House, um, which is basically just me posting on my socials, you know, like on a Wednesday, I'd, I'd find a vocalist to post and like shout her out and stuff like that. And um, a couple of times or more than a couple of times, I would look up songs that I grew up listening to and I didn't know who the vocalist was. And then it would turn out, you know, that the vocalist was say Monique Bingham, if it was blue six or, you know, Shingai who sang Dennis Ferrer's Hey Hey, and she wasn't credited on it. Um, you know, so it, it ended up being like this, this sort of ongoing project that then became, um, so it was a social media thing. And then I did a compilation and then I've always been wanting to write about house music vocalists. I just didn't know how I would do it. And at some point I want to write like a book chapter or, you know, an actual book. So this was like the, the sort of starting part of it and I had this idea I was gonna interview Usi even and Toshi and like a, a bunch of other women but then I didn't get those um interviews and then I ended up with three interviews with really amazing amazing women and I wanted to sort of write the stories intertwined type thing and then it turned out for me at least that the best way to do it was to give each woman her space because they all have different stories and they're from different parts of the world and they're from different uh, times within the story of house or at least within the story of Afro house. So you have um, Anane Vega who 
is very accomplished. She's a vocalist. She's a producer. She runs a label called Nulu Music. Uh, and Nulu stands for nothing ultimately leaves us. And I just absolutely love that. Um, and she's been releasing Afro House for the past like 10 years, you know, from a very early stage within the genre. Um, and she's she's helped to put a lot of artists on, on the map, you know, through releasing with her with her label and she's a DJ, you know, she's just done so many amazing things and she's still very relevant. That for me is like the most remarkable thing is that she has this almost 20 year career. Mm-hmm. And just the other day I saw she, she, she was like number one on track source, you know, <laughs> like she's just, she just keeps going, um, you know? Um, and then uh, Lizwi, who I absolutely adore. She's this young South African vocalist who's making an insane amount of music right now. Like I just, I cannot fathom like the, the sheer amount of music that she's making is just ridiculous. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like she's just making so many tunes with everybody from everywhere. Yeah. And she's just churning out these features, but they're all good. They're all amazing and they're being played. And what I really appreciate about what she's doing, unlike a lot of, other vocalists is that she's making sure that she gets the recognition along with doing these features. So she's not just singing on people's songs, but she's making sure they do videos. She's making sure, you know, that the songs go on radio. She's making sure, or at least she's making sure that she's working with people who are, who have plans to do all of these things so that it's not like she just writes a song and then nobody knows what she looks like or nobody you know, knows who sang the song. So I think for me, she's really, she's really um, being very courageous in how, how she, she works. And I suppose that's sort of like the, the plus side of being a vocalist with a voice that she has and being in high demand. Um, And you hope that everybody gets that kind of treatment, you know, um, but she's she's amazing. She's really she's really great, and she's such a, a fantastic and very positive person, um, and very ambitious. Um, and then there's Awen, who's French Senegalese, and she's based in Paris. And I love Awen so much because her music is just. And I mean, this is obviously within the tradition of house music as a whole, right? You know, um, thinking of its roots. Um, thinking of the types of songs that people sing traditionally, at least in house music, there's always a component that is um, inspirational, um, that that speaks to current times. Um, and she does that so beautifully with her music. Um, and um, I really enjoyed speaking to her about that because she was named after Dulcy September, who is a, South African activist and you can really tell that apart from just being very very talented for her being a vocalist is not just about making songs you know Mm -hmm. it's about the message um and and that comes through her music through and through and she hasn't really been in the scene for a very long time but um in the short time that she has been in the scene she's definitely made some really amazing songs that have have done 
quite well, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah, so I I just really wanted to talk about the women behind the songs, um, you know, that people play because often the spotlight is given to the DJs and the producers. And, yeah. and it's not to say that they don't deserve it, but I just feel that, you know, it's it's an unbalanced tale, you know. It has so many holes in it if we're only focusing on one side of the story. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping to do more of that. Um, I don't know how, but, yeah, I'm hoping to do that more in the future, definitely. But, but what a great summation of the article that you wrote. And for anybody who wants to read it, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, Jackie will have posted it on her social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it today. Yo, yo, pressure, pressure. <laughs> I'm lighting that fire under your ass. But but another another project of yours that, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, I... I have a great deal of love for is your free guide to collaboration for SA house music vocalists and producers who are starting out. And, you know, in this very succinct four page guide, you cover all the basics that like any muso would need to know from the splits to the paperwork, to the actual releasing of the song. Why did you think it was so important to put this guide together? Um, for me, it was about sharing the information that I know, firstly, um, because, I mean, I've been doing this, I've been saying seven, eight years, but then I realized the other day that it's actually 10, which is really weird. Um, A decade. We need to pop some champagne here. Yeah, like what I like I was I was at my mom's house and uh I was going through like CDs and stuff and then I saw a CD of a of what Matthew Moorman's very first album. I sang a song on there. We used to work together at Startup. I sang a song on there. And I looked at the back and I was like, oh my gosh, this is 2010. So I kind of feel like, yeah, I, I don't even know why I, I truncated it. But anyway, point is I've been doing this for that long and Every single time I work with people, I without fail encounter a lack of knowledge. Always. Mm. It's not, and it's not even something that is, um, that's limited to young producers or producers who are just starting out. You know, I remember once a few years ago, I did a feature for this um, these producers who have been in the industry for a very long time. You know, I was like, okay, you know, they've been doing this for ages. And the contract that they sent me was just, it was horrific. <laughs> I was just like, you can't expect me to sign this, you know. So that was basically my contribution to to hopefully, you know, getting people to understand the basics about what they need to know to protect themselves, to protect their work, and to um, operate in a way that is honest and with integrity, you know. And also, if you know the right way to do something, then it's very difficult for people to take advantage of you. So for me, it was also mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like you have a lot of people so, who are taking advantage of each other. 
So was there an instance where you maybe got burned and you thought, wow, I could have handled this better if I'd had the tools to equip myself? Or was it born more out of a necessity to educate? It's both. I mean, the very first contract that I signed <laughs> was horrible. <laughs> it was That's a horrible horrific. contract. I'm sorry that that happened. It was like, it was a horrible contract, but it was for one song. It's not like I was signing away my life or whatever for like my but whole career. But the scary thing is that some artists do and they don't even know. Yeah, it was, it was for one song. So the minute, and the thing is, I found out very soon after the contract was finalized and I went back to them and then I was like, Hey, you know what? Is there any chance we can renegotiate this? And they were like, no. Um, and so from then on, it was just like, and and this was very early on in my career, actually, like when I started releasing music. Um, so I'm grateful for that. So once that had happened, I was just like, you know what? I'm not trying to do that. But then subsequent to that, it was just the frustration of having to deal with people who don't know. And then constantly having to explain to people why you need to do things in in in, in a particular way or having to justify as a vocalist, not even as a vocalist, as a writer, as a composer, why I need to get a certain percentage of my composition and, you know, publishing and how it needs to be done and all of that. And I think the brink was like, like a week before I wrote that guide, I was involved in this massive like back and forth <laughs> with producers on Twitter so that was just oh, like, really? you know what? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we were having the, like a, the very same discussion about this, about splits. And I was like, you can't be saying you're going to give somebody like 5% or whatever. Like it was a very small amount because you have to now go out and, you know, uh, put money towards the marketing and whatever. You can't take royalties from somebody, you know. So we mm -hmm. were having this like huge discussion about that. And, and, and part of it also is like where people don't understand that the right, the vocalists in this country, at least, you know, do both singing and writing. So if I was going to write a song and I wanted you to come and sing on it, I would pay you a session fee. Right? You wouldn't want me to come and sing on it. But anyway, yes, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll pay you a session fee and, you know, I'd get, you know, my publishing or, or whatever, but. Somehow people don't understand that. They think, okay, I'm just not going to pay a vocalist to sing on the song and I'm just not going to give her any royalties or, or any splits because she, she's, she's not the first named artist. It's my song, you know? So people just don't get that. So I was really frustrated. And I think within 24 hours of having that conversation, I decided that was what I was going to do. And then I, I kind of wrote it within like eight hours and I published it. Um, when I posted about the guide on Text in the City, you told me at the time you were also looking at getting the guide translated into different African languages. How's that endeavor going? Is there any progress on that front? No, there isn't because I haven't like actually started pursuing it, but I am thinking of, of 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 applying to some things to see if I can get uh, some of the cash to do that. So yeah, okay. yeah I am. I am. I'm, I'm, I was, I'm actually working on an application now this week for to hand it in at the end of the, of the week. 
So well, yeah, I'm still planning on doing that. I'm actually planning on at the start, maybe doing not maybe, but trying to get enough money to to translate into the most three most popular languages in the country, and then doing like um, audio because I like I'm I'm also trying not to fall into the trap of making it just accessible to people who have access to the internet and stuff. So that's what, that's why I made like a PDF version of it so that Smart. people could yeah. sh- share it like on WhatsApp and stuff. Um, so I'm also thinking in terms of like accessibility, you know, not just for people who can see, you know. Um, so I'm thinking of maybe in, in, in my, in my thing, including some kind of audio component to it like little snippets with like just the most important information and then maybe making it like a website or something i don't know but we'll see we just need to pray to baby jesus that the money will come from somewhere <laughs> i pray to him every night <laughs> but, but you know i, I, I want to take i want to take the opportunity i mean you know you never know who's listening to this podcast and you know if there's someone out there who's listening and you're passionate about helping our musicians equip themselves with knowledge that they otherwise would not have and and you speak an african language and you want to get involved with Jackie's cause please hit her up like where yeah. where can people where can people get hold of you? Where would the best bet be? The best bet would be to message me on Instagram. Cool. Jackie Queens. That's simple enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the best bet would be find me on Instagram. Um, I'm usually quite active on there. Or Twitter, Jackie Queens SA. I'm also very active on there. So if you just like call at me on either one of those, I'll respond. Well, Jackie, I just wanted to say thank you very much for joining me in studio today. And I I look forward to the next chapter and seeing what you'll be applying your skills to next. I've always got my eye on your socials. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me.
Shout out to Jackie Queens for joining us in studio. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also, a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and our research assistant, Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side. <laughs>